You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Happy Wednesday, Second Print Nation. And before we get into today's episode, I want to make sure that you guys know about a very special offer we have going on right now for new patrons of the Second Print Pod Comics Podcast over at patreon.com slash secondprintpod. New patrons who join at the annual level, at an annual subscription, at any level, I should say, we've extended this offer that you will get two free months if you join before the end of February. and. If we get two annual subscribers by the end of this month, Remzo will do a very special bonus show detailing his bachelor party in Las Vegas, especially for SBC patrons. So we want to hear this show. I want to hear this show. We want to get patrons. Also, any new patrons will get free graphic novels sent to them also at any level. If you join at the annual level, there is just no better time to become an SBC patron. So head over to patreon.com slash secondprintpod where we give you all sorts of bonus audio goodness, Boba Fett recaps, Peacemaker recaps, What Mark Missed, Remzo Rants. We've got so much content over there. Just check it out at patreon.com slash secondprintpod. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the Second Print Comics Podcast. Sometimes you pick up a comic book that's so good, you might as well be reading a movie on paper. And sometimes you read such a good comic book that's so overwhelmingly underrated, you look at it and say, the fact that nobody's talking about this every other day is a crime in its own. Today we're going to Death and Beyond, covering the death-defying Dr. Mirage by Jen Van Meter, Robert De La Torre, and David Barron from Valiant Entertainment. But we would not be continuing on this macabre journey into the death-defying expectations to come without the marvelous, miraculous Mr. Mark Claire. Mark, how goes it? Oh, it goes, Remzo. It goes indeed. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be like you and spoil the, the review in the first 30 seconds. But let's just say my history with Dr. Mirage, this book we're going to read today, I, I dipped my toe very briefly in the water of the original Dr. Mirage from the early 90s of Valiant. And I will just say this is nothing like that at all. And I'm excited <laughs> to talk about it. <laughs> 
Well, before we go ahead and jump into this, folks, we just wrapped up, by the time you're listening to this, we just wrapped up covering season one of Peacemaker. You can go ahead and listen to Mark give his review, uh, volume by volume, of Ultimate Fantastic Four, with a whole bunch of other bonus content to come. If you can't get enough of our sultry, you know, audible chocolatey voices each and every week, we've got you covered of all that and more at patreon.com slash secondprintpod, where you can go ahead and get access to new content, exclusive merch, and more for as little as $5 or based on your levels above. Mark, any other house notes before we get going? Well, on the subject of our Patreon, um, you know, we, we are always, since the very dawn of this show, we have pledged to sort of, you know, take fan feedback, and we've always tweaked things a little bit here and there as we go. So one thing we're going to make a slight change to that Remzo and I were discussing is, you know, we have been doing these potpourri episodes every fourth Wednesday where we talk about what comics we're reading, uh, movies, TV, that sort of thing, and, you know, the fans really do respond to that pretty well. But one thing we did kind of notice is that it is, you know, we have four, there's only four Wednesdays in a month, and if we're dedicating every fourth Wednesday to to the Potpourri show, it kind of is pushing out our, our standard format a little bit too much. Um, and then along with that, we do have the Kirby Club episodes for our our uh, forty dollar a month Patreon subscribers, like we just did last week for Immortal Hulk. So it, suddenly, it felt like our our sort of our normal format was getting crowded out a little bit. So here's what we decided to do for now. We're still going to do the Potpourri episodes. I did that last one with Jim last month, but we're going to do them every other month, basically. So basically, the fourth Wednesday of every other month will be a Potpourri episode. But as a little added bonus for our patrons, we're still going to do the Potpourri episodes in those off months, but we'll do them for Patreon only. So just another reason to head over to patreon.com slash second print pod we really uh we work our tails off to, to make sure you guys are getting content and you're not just you know sending us five bucks and you never hear from us again we make sure you get value in exchange so please do check that out and uh i think that's it remzo yeah and we've got uh moon Knight reviews upcoming very soon our good friend caleb franz will be returning for that so if you want to jump back in as we go ahead and cover moon Knight episode by episode you got you got you got a couple weeks to catch up on everything else you know, dip your toes, feel awesome, and then snuggle up for another Disney Plus series. Good time to listen to our Moon Knight episode. Exactly. We got we Which got episode something. It's we're in the officially feed. past the point. Yeah, we're officially past the point where I remember every episode number. For like the first thirty or forty, I was I was doing pretty well, and now now I have no idea. What up, what episode what. number are we on now? This is this will be episode eighty two. Remember when we started the show and we were locked in our homes? I do. I do. Man, this show is the only way I can really understand the passage of time. Yeah. Episode 66 features the origin of Moon Knight. So for the newbies out there, just click back in that podcast feed. It's all there, baby. Well, on to death-defying things to come. I, I gotta be honest. Like, I knew there was a Dr. Mirage series before this, but I never really cared enough to look into this. And before we get uh, going on with the story, let's just do a little bit of background. The death... I'm sorry, not the death-defying. The Dr. Mirage series that you mentioned was from Valiant's first run when they were Valiant Comics back in the 90s, started by Jim Shooter. Um, as people know, when we covered it uh, back with Exo Manowar and Ninjak a while back there basically been like three eras of valiant there was valiant comics with jim shooter former editor of marvel there was the one era where they were going by something else where they were owned by some video game I think company it was acclaim acclaim yeah acclaim entertainment acclaim comics or something like that acclaim and then there was 
well, there is the current era we're in with a brand new canon and everything else, which is Valiant Entertainment, which has been around for about a decade so far. So when you picked up Dr. Mirage then, was Dr. Mirage a dude? Yes, Dr. Mirage was a dude. Am I thinking of the same thing? Yeah. Okay, what was that like? Because I didn't care enough to go back and read that. I mean, we're, we're talking, you know, well... I, I was like, I don't want to age myself. Well, what I, my age is not going to change when the nineties were. So, so I can say that it was about 30 years ago. Mark is old as fuck. <laughs> when that original version of Dr. Mirage came out. And uh, that version was basically a, a paranormal investigator who is, is kind of like this one, but he received his powers during an encounter with master dark. Who's this necromancer. Who's like a character that has, I believe that that character has appeared through multiple of those nineties valiant comics, uh, shadow man, ninja. He was kind of, like the the overarching villain for a lot of different heroes exactly yeah and then he was directly you know responsible for uh the dr mirage of that early 90s valiant um for his powers and he did have a a, he did have like a wife in that one uh but it was so i i don't know if this character seems like it could be sort of but not really no i don't think that's based on this this at all but they did they took the name the last name fong that's basically the only well, not the only similarity. I mean, they're both kind of paranormal characters, but the feel of this book, we'll get into it, is very different than that. That was a much more superhero-y feeling book, as much of those 90s Valiant comics were, other than, like, say, Ninjak, uh, whereas this is, a, this is a very different feel. My uh, view, having read a lot of the old archived editions of the 90s Valiant, was that it was very much Jim Shooter's Marvel, yeah, but grittier. And that's what you kind of got. And it's good. But what I like about Valiant Entertainment is that it stands apart very starkly in a world dominated by the big two, DC and Marvel. And some people call it like, you know, Little Image or Little Dark Horse or anything like that. But for each of these characters, they're so good at making them feel like they're in their own isolated worlds that when they do cross over for major events and titles and Valiant has done that with... um with with many of the heroes for multiple series over the last decade, it, it feels really special. A Valiant crossover used to, because the last couple I wasn't a big fan of, like um, Psy War, whatever it was, uh, they, they, they weren't that great. But for the most part, Valiant Entertainment has a great job of making has done a great job of making small characters seem really special and making crossover events feel really awesome. Harbinger war. That was a harbinger war two is dumb, but uh, this is an example of one of those series that um, can slide under the radar for some valiant fans because, you know, let's think about it. You got harbingers, which is kind of like their X-Men. You've got exo man of war, which is kind of like the Superman. Then you got Ninjak, which is kind of like the Batman and then bloodshot. Who's, Bloodshot. Bloodshot gets compared to like Wolverine and Punisher, but he's just such a good character on his own. Um, he 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 doesn't often get compared to that so often because he's done such a good job of standing out on his own thanks to so many good writers. But Doctor Mirage was one of those books I got on sale during the pandemic um, at, at the Amazing Comic Shop in Fairfax, Virginia. They were doing a buy two get one free sale, so I was just like, I want to get all the Valiant books I could get. So I grabbed this and I was like, Ah, I don't really know who she is. I don't really know anything about this character i haven't seen her any of the crossovers i wonder if it's even good and holy shit it's i I, you know i've already kind of spoiled it enough this is a series that if you were you know downloading today's episode and you were like i wonder if it's gonna be worth it i promise you 
this one's actually kind of worth your time. So, Mark, before we get started, just your initial thoughts when you saw this on the calendar, especially knowing that you picked up a similar title by the same name in the 90s, and it was kind of, yeah. Well, I never know what to think with you, Remzo. But, you know, sometimes you send me down to a story that, because I never know what your angle is, you know, because so, sometimes you give me an intentionally bad story, so... Uh, which is fun because it keeps me on my toes. You know, I'm like, I, is, is Remzo setting me up for something good or something so bad it's good? It's, it's usually like one or the other. Um, this, of course, again, I don't want to spoil the review. Luck, but I will say, obviously, we, we've said enough that this is this is not bad. Good, you know, it, it, it's definitely it's definitely something very different than I expected. And even just even just the covers, even just like glancing at it, and when I before I even dug into the story, I mean, the art, the feel, the vibe, it's just very different. Not only is it very different than the '90s Doctor Mirage, it's very different than a, a lot of the rest of the Valiant books. And so that, that's what really stood out to, out out. Ooh, hello, that's what really stood out to me at, at first glance. Yeah, I mean, Valiant is really good defining character genres i feel like even marvel used to be really good at that but marvel has kind of stepped aside since they're so hyper focused on crossovers and you know constant reoccurring appearances and other books and stuff so that their books all kind of feel the same whereas if like you know exo man of war you feel like you're reading like an old school superhero book with ninjack you're reading a, a spy espionage book with uh with bloodshot it's like a 90s action film like from the late 80s that period and with Dr. Mirage, uh, if I had to equate her to another character, I would equate her to John Constantine's Hellblazer. But it's almost, you know, it, I, I almost feel that that's a tepid comparison because you might think, you know, the horror, ghost, demon, you know, monster type of genre. But this one manages to, you know, take all those expectations and do something completely new with it. Yeah, I agree. So let's dive on in. To the death-defying Dr. Mirage, issue one, we open up with a woman wearing a costume, so automatically we know that we're, we're kind of skipping around. If you think you don't know who she is, but you could tell she's maybe a superhero, you're probably right. Valiant doesn't often dive too much into uh, origins all the time, so they just kind of get into the story and kind of take you along, because the story ultimately matters more than just who the character is. That's something I've always really appreciated about Valiant. And we see her on her phone and, um, you know, she, she's in a room with a bunch of other women sitting in a circle and they're talking about, you know, these, these men, I guess we can assume that they're, their husbands. One woman is saying, I know he'd want me to date again. I've tried, but it feels empty. And then, you know, somebody else is like, I should get a smaller place, but I can't bear to get rid of his First stuff. First of all, lady, so, he doesn't want you to uh, date again. Let's just, let's just put that aside. Yeah, <laughs> That's not what he's thinking out yeah. there in the, in the other, the, the behind the veil. <laughs> So if, if you if you have two brain cells you could rub together, you could tell this is a support group. And uh, Dr. Mirage, uh, Shan Fan, Shan Fan is uh, Shan Fan. I am not culturally <laughs> insensitive. It's like Shang-Chi. We only took us a while to get that right. So Shan Fan is Dr. Mirage. She's on her cell phone in the corner and she's texting someone named Leo. And uh, Leo is like, if I told you, you would have bailed. You need this. And Shan is like, don't tell me what I need. And Leo's like, you need the money. And she's like, I, I can't do this. And he's like, they want your help. They're happy to pay. Uh, hang in there, kid. You can do this. So obviously, Leo's probably like her manager, her hookup, her referrer, somebody that gives her cases. And um, at that point, she's just like, I might as well walk in. So she walks in and she's in the middle of this support group. I broke my left hand. So if you hear me fumbling pages, 
you, you know the things why. this man has been through for you people covid twice well covid once because the second time you, you, you know we, we gave you a break but uh and a broken finger here yeah and and recovery from vegas which i know can take a month no matter even in under normal circumstances let alone a bachelor party my my love knows no bounds mark my love for the listeners so um now the the uh, dr mirage has walked into the room and she and this one woman sitting down is like are are, are you well i mean your your agent just uh, said to bring meaningful things right and she's like yeah it should be fine did he also explain that i don't promise anything i'm not some scam artist another woman interrupts she's, she's like oh no we know a friend in the da's office told me about you he said you have a mean streak but you're the real deal so basically what's going to happen is Dr. Mirage is going to basically commune with the spirits of their husband. She's a medium. So what that means is that she can see and communicate with the dead and relay messages to the living. So, you know, now what she's doing is she's basically creating connection to these women and their husbands. I'm going to move my mic back a little bit because my hand is flinching. And... um you know, now what she's going to do is she's going to go ahead and give them some final messages. So that way these women can get some closure and they can move on. Uh, Mark, this is kind of a sidebar. Have you ever done anything with mediums and psychics? Oh, boy, this is a that's a deep one right there. Um, not as much like I've I've been to a couple psychics like but, you know, like your your carny type psychics. And so not not like this way. I've definitely. I've I've had some I haven't had not not like this no not like in the not like the actual medium seance type thing have you I know you have I have done all of that I've met some amazing people and I've met some scam artists uh, as many of you know I usually really drift towards these horror books because I love the horror genre that's probably like my my deep favorite genre of comic books but shameless pitch. Uh, the final season of my TV show, The Witching Hour, will be coming back at oh. the end of uh, this 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 uh, this season, as me and my team of paranormal investigators wrap up the last few cases we have to uh, to air. So, if you're interested in watching me deal with the dead and the undead and everything alike, go ahead and check out Argos Paranormal A R G O S Paranormal dot Yeah, screw Doctor Mirage. You know, Remzo's doing the real shit. Remzo is our Doctor Mirage. Well, I will say real fast is that a lot while, while this is a comic book and there's a lot of sensationalism because it's a fantasy book, there are certain things in this book and maybe people can get in with me on the second book comics fan zone if they're a patron. Like some of the stuff is like scaringly accurate. So I'll just leave that out there. If you're interested in your patron after this episode is out and you want to ask me what I found to be pretty accurate and what's just obviously a good story, uh, we could talk. About I may that ask later. you throughout this episode. We'll see. Stay tuned. So basically, Dr. Mirage is building a connection between these men, uh, these dead men and these women, and uh, she's going to go ahead and give them some closure. So she closes her eyes, tilts her head back, and she's like, "Uh, a little ditty about Jack and Diane. And she's like, oh, hello, Mike, Roger, Darius. And one of the women is like, that's that was our song. So now she's going to each of the women one by one. And what we see in a, in a different style of illustration, almost like these men are transparent. So that way we could see that, yeah, she's actually commuting of somebody. She's going to each of them and we're seeing their husbands and she's giving them closure. So at this point, she goes over to uh, Roger's wife and she tells the wife, when Roger got sick, he focused on getting the house and finances in order for your sake, wiping his feet, he says. 
at the end, he worried, uh, he worried you thought he was eager to leave, but by then he couldn't talk. And she's like, oh, honey, I never doubted you'd stay if you could. Now she goes over to another woman. Uh, Meredith thinks your depression is back, um, that you're not seeing it because of her and the pain meds. She wants you to call Nora and maybe see a second doctor. Then she goes over to somebody else, and she's like, Sanjay says you don't need to prove anything to his parents. Goes over to another woman. Years ago, Mike won some money, like a lot of money, gambling. He promised to stop, so he hid it in a red toolbox in the garage. He hopes you'll forgive him and that you'll pay off the house. And then she goes to another woman, and she's like, he sees you taking care of everyone else's grief. Um, He wants you to know he'll stick around until you've had space to see yourself. And then, you know, that, that's basically her having gone through the group. So the one woman who's in charge goes back to her. She's like, ah, oh, thank you so much again. I, uh, I saw online that your husband died. I can't imagine how comforting it must be to be able to connect. And as she's pulling out this wad of cash she was paid in, she was like, I'm afraid I can't imagine it either, really. Uh, Huen doesn't talk to me. I don't know where he is. So right there. You know, I think I think this is and we're only a couple pages in. Um, this is a great way to introduce a character because immediately you get an understanding of the stakes. You kind of get an understanding of the of, the, you know, of what she can do. And then you get an understanding of the immediate conflict, which is she has this power that she can go ahead and, you know, talk to the dead and give other people closure. But she's giving people a gift that she herself does not have. So I, I think that's a great way to introduce a character. Yeah. And, and like you said, I really enjoy the what Valiant does do a lot is they just they throw you into the story, but they do so in a way that you 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 begin to understand where the character is and what they're about without having to just be told, here's exactly what happened. Now, they always show you what happened eventually, but they kind of get there in a natural way as opposed to just here's the origin. And then you got to wait for a story. Instead, it's here's a story and we'll learn the origin as we go. Yeah. So now we're back at this. uh property that I guess belongs to Dr. Mirage. And she's just kind of chilling out there with her pug. And suddenly her friend Leo comes over and uh, she just really doesn't want to deal with him. Like she wants to kind of quit being a paranormal investigator because at this point, you know, you could tell that she's just emotionally exhausted from all of this and that she's just not really happy. But Leo being her friend and also her business partner, apparently realizes that she's got to pay the bills. So what he brings up to her is that he knows a guy named Linton March. He's a big military contractor and um, he's looking for somebody to help him connect with his wife. He was widowed. According to Leo, uh, 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 he's uh, he's got a very low profile, but lots of money, billions, some of which could be yours as in 30,000 just to consult. So this is a big opportunity. And Dr. Mirage is like, well, what's the downside? And um, Leo's like, reclusive billionaire wants to hire a paranormal investigator. He could be loony as duck fart, but you can handle it. And she's like, I don't want to take on a big job right now. That money sounds like a big job. And Leo's like, listen with the ears that love this house. And it sounds like paying your back property taxes. Just talk to the guy. And she's like, fine, I'll meet him. Shut up. So at this point, she's going to go ahead and take on this contract with this big military contractor guy. So she's driving her nice car and she's going to this guy's, you know, it looks like a Spanish villa or something. It's uh, it's really nice. 
you know, kind of showing you, yeah, he does actually have money. And uh, she pulls up and uh, Linton March walks out and he's like, morning, hope you didn't hit too much traffic. I'm Linton March. Everyone just calls me March. Been that way for years. And he, he comes over to her and he's like, do you prefer Dr. Fong or Dr. Mirage? And she's like, Mirage is fine. No need for titles. Lovely place. Mirage is way cooler. That's for sure. Yeah. So at this point, um, you know, he's he's just kind of telling her about his wife. So that way she can kind of understand what's going on. So he's like, thank you, uh, you know, for complimenting the house. This was built by my late wife's grandfather in the 20s. I spent most of my time in the guest house out back. It's this way. And uh, she's like, is that why you wanted to see me? Something to do with your wife? He's like, oh, no, I've got no reason to believe she rests in anything but peace. It's well, have you ever heard of Operation Sockeye? And she's like, maybe I knew an ancient language specialist once. Uh, she spent some years way back translating for the government project. Sockeye sounds right. And he's like, well, uh, that that wouldn't be Candace Overfield, would it? Whatever became of her? And she's like, well, someone hired her, needed to identify an old amulet. She translated the engravings and spontaneously combusted. So that's one way of showing you what can happen in this realm. Uh, I've never seen anybody, you know. Turn, yeah, is that one real, know, Remzo? That's like my first explode. One. No, I've, I've, I, I, it would be cool to see somebody explode. But uh, no, I haven't Hopefully seen that. And uh, no. And uh, he's like, ah, oh, that's very sorry to hear. Only met her once or twice, but she seemed like a very nice gal. And Mirage is like, she was nice, smart, trusted her clients. And immediately he's like, well, what about you? And Mirage is like, I'm, I'm smart, but not much for nice and trusting. And he's like, no, I'm, I meant, were you the client with the amulet? <laughs> She's like, uh, no. So we, we go inside and um, now she's wanting to figure out more about what's going on with this, like, you know, Sockeye situation. So she's like, um, you know, what what do you want to talk about Sockeye about? So he's like, right. It started parallel to Paperclip as the war closed out. But instead of rockets and physicists, physicists, I hate that word. It's like bureaucrats. Um, it was the paranormal magic, out of body travel, telepathy, you name it. The initial task was to, well, recruit a Nazi, recruit Nazi occultists before the Soviets could get to them. And Mirage jumps in and she's like, and from there, short hop to grabbing anything that might be useful from anywhere. So now what we can basically tell is that, you know, th- this guy knows more about the occult than he's kind of letting on, especially if he knows about this secret uh, plan by the government. And for those of you that aren't history nerds, Operation Paperclip was when the United States and the Russians were attempting to try and get as many Nazi scientists as possible and bring them over to use their knowledge um, for their own gains. Like, you know, and then they faked the moon landing, maybe. Well, I mean, NASA was founded by Nazis, but that's not me saying it. That's NASA. Ramza, let's not get political here. <laughs> no, no, there's too many politics on this show. That's just a fact. Why was Herman Gehring in Florida? I'm sorry, Werner Von Braun, not Gehring. Werner Von Braun. Why was Werner Von Braun in Florida? Yeah, I don't think Gehring, Herman Gehring was there. But... No, the Gehring was, I think he was dead. I don't dead think he made it out of Germany. I don't think he knew anything. No, I don't think On he the did. next SBC History. <laughs> our new show that we're going to be launching we should do a weird history show i think i think we'd actually be pretty good that would be hilarious you know? but not here though no too much politics um march goes ahead and activates a freaking like you know underground secret room and things immediately look like indiana jones and the temple of doom so they're walking down and um 
you know, he's basically like, uh, there's something I need you to see. Way of thinking was someone's got to make a deal with the devil. We couldn't have it be the commies, right? So they're walking down and all you see is like this old like macabre art and everything. And then you see a painting of a Knights Templar dude. And it's just it's creepy. So Lytton continues. He's like, this floor was recovered from the Black Lodge in the Ces- in the Cesarats, about 1,200 years old. Installed it here myself. Every stone by hand. What do you think? So this isn't like an old room. This is a room made by old shit that he took apart, brought here, and then put back together. And at this point, Mirage knows something's up. She's like, I think you're stalling about why you need me. And then he's like, it's it's difficult. I'm paying for the time, though. I'd come uh, I, I'd come from Army Intel. My group's missions, you know, brief was uh, my group's mission brief was fairly simple. Find the shit and see if we could figure out if it worked. And you see an old photo of him back in the army. And she's like, I shouldn't be shocked by the kind of irresponsibility you're describing, you know, by the fact that he brought this temple of doom into his house. Um, but man, at least that at least when they wanted astronauts, they started with pilots. And he's like, well, you're right. I know um, at best we were kids with sticks trying to fix Swiss watches. Everything I've done since retrieving all all this from the service. It's all been about trying to undo the damage. But there's one thing more personal and I can't handle it by myself. I need your help. I need you. It started in the backwoods of North Cambodia. We were pretty rattled. And he, he's just going into this situation where, um, you know, he's he's basically how do I put it? He, he's starting a remote viewing and he's trying to basically commune with the dead. So that way he can control arcane forces. He's not going to say it like that, but that's ultimately what he was trying to understand. He was trying to see whether or not he could do it. And remote viewing is a thing where basically it, it's not, it's a, it's a form of psychic phenomenon where essentially you can close your eyes and transcend your consciousness to another place in the world and see it as if you're standing there without having to physically move. Remote viewing, real or not real? Real. Real, like you believe it. I mean, I know it's real in the sense that people say they do it, but you believe you've seen enough to believe that it's real. I, I've seen enough individuals do remote viewing to believe that remote viewing is a real phenomenon, but not everyone who says that they've done it is truthful. That makes sense. There's too much paranormal stuff on this show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so at this point, you know, Mirage is basically like, oh, I don't, I don't really know about this. I, I think I'm, I'm done. And he's like, No, you have to hear me out. And she's like, Sorry, this is Candace. This is a Candace Overfeld situation. I'm not the one you want for this. And he's like, But I've done my research. I know you're the best. And she's like, And I know, and, and I, know, and I know what a thranial binding looks like. That's outside stuff. I stick to this plane. I won't. And next thing she hears a voice and and the voice is like, you need not be afraid. You need not be his pawn. And she's like, whoa, uh, who who the hell are you? What what the hell are you playing at? So at this point, like something from the other realm, something from a demonic realm that he was trying to somehow get access to is, is talking to her. So she's just like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm freaking out of her. I'm, I'm out of here. So, uh, March is like, lady, you have a lot of damn nerve. You are a guest in my home. And she's like, shut up, please. So next, you know, she, she, as she's walking out, she sees like this little side room and she's like something from there was talking to me. So next, you know, she opens it up and she sees like this, it's not like a zombie, but this thing looks like straight up demonic and it's talking to her telepathically. And it's like, 
Li Wen Mirage abides with the pale mistress. So immediately she looks at him and she's just like, uh, why is that thing talking about my husband? And uh, at that point, she starts talking to the creature and she's like, what are you? And he's like a prisoner. And she's like, why should I trust you? And he's like, you should not. So they start talking and basically, That's how you know, you can trust him because he says you shouldn't trust me. Yeah. So so basically the fact that this thing outed itself as March's prisoner, she now realizes that March has more nefarious shit going on if he's keeping like a literal demon creature hostage. So at this point, you know, he's, um, you know, he, he's still talking and she's ignoring him. But at this point, she's like, oh, obviously, like shit's getting real. So I should probably play along to get to the bottom of this because that thing knew my husband's name. So she's like, I'll, I'll try, March. Uh, I, I'm going to need to do some homework. I'll I'll have a tomorrow you know, some, some stuff taken over. So she goes around, she's taking some artifacts and she's leaving. At this point, we know that something is just freaking weird. I love how he's like, how, how do you know which objects to take? And she's like, you said you're not, you said you don't have any talent for all this stuff. Well, I do. So just shut the fuck up. She doesn't say shut the fuck up. But I added that myself. Yeah. So, so basically she, she goes over talking to a uh, Leo later on that day. And at this point she's just like, this is big. Like obviously something big is going on. If you, if you wanted me to take this assignment and all of a sudden this random rich billionaire military contractor guy has a freaking demon hostage in his, in his basement that knows my husband's name. So at this point she's going to go ahead and start using some dark magic to uh, essentially investigate what's going on, the type of stuff that she really doesn't want to. Uh, Meanwhile, what we see is that somebody is conducting some other satanic ritual. This guy's like reading some type of, you know, satanic charm or whatever. He's cutting his own foot and everything else. Is that Mirage? Yeah, that's that. No, that's Mirage. This is Mirage getting ready to go remote to do her little remote thing. She draws those like runes on her door. She does something. She draws this like eye thing. That's I guess is supposed to protect the house while she's uh, not there. Yeah. So so basically, she she's conducting this uh th- this this thing in order to basically you know see what he saw to basically reenact what occurred to see where he went and how on earth he uh, encountered this demon. So that uh, sums up. Issue one, I'm going to go ahead and get my splint back on. Mark, thoughts? Yes. Well, I, like I was, I kind of mentioned before, I mean, this definitely was a very different look and feel for this book than I expected. I, I really had, I got a lot of Hellboy vibes from this. Did you feel that way at all? That That's how this, this not like, not like a copy of Hellboy. The, but. the fact that everyone is so matter of fact mm-hmm. about this yeah. stuff is a Hellboy thing because anywhere else it's always like it's brand new and it's instantly unbelievable here. Everyone is basically like, Oh yeah, this stuff happens. Similar to Hellboy, like where all the characters, they're all versed in the occult. They all know and accept this as part of the universe. And similarly here. Um, and just very much like the, the tone and the art is just really, it's, it's different than Mike Mignola's art, but it does have a similar feel that just like very gritty paranormal. And of course there's Nazis here. So another, another Hellboy connection. I, I don't know if this is actually directly inspired by Hellboy at all. Even this demon kind of looks like Abe, Sa- like a really like scarier Abe Sapien a little bit. I, I kind of thought, um, but I, I mean this all in a very good way. Cause I fucking love Hellboy. So if I, if I feel like a book is giving me Hellboy vibes, that's a high compliment. Yeah, so issue two starts. We're back at Linton March's place, and at this point, he's uh, he's you know holding the demon as if you know 
He's uh, he's on his knees. He's still like in a hostage state. And Linton is giving him this command to basically say, um, you know, the woman who came here, who saw you, where is she? By this binding, I command you, you miserable fuck, tell me. And the, the demon, who's obviously in a lot of pain, it's like the visitor is beyond my seeing. Protections. There are protections. And it's like, it can't lie, Doug. Not outright. You think she's charmed? And, you know, the guy is like, could be a hit march again. So at this point, you know, there uh, he's got some other dude there with him. And uh, they're, they're basically trying to see what Mirage is up to. Because March knows that Mirage saw the demon. They all know what's going on. She's not just helping him because now she suddenly wants to help him. She's got her own ulterior motives now since the demon brought up her husband's name. So they're trying to basically see what she's investigating. And they have this thing called um, the Kebra Mirror. And essentially what it's going to do is it's like, you know, a thing that can show him what she is seeing. It's like a mirror, mirror on the wall situation. Yeah, and I guess only the demon, the demon is the one that like has to activate it. And since it's, it's some kind of slave to them for whatever they did to conjure it, uh, it, it has to do it. So it, it's, it, this demon wants out, but he also is bound. Um, they'll get, they get into this more later, but he's bound to obey these guys, these fucking assholes commands. So he's like, all right, I guess I got to show you, show you Dr. Mirage in the mirror. Yeah. So now we're back in that other world where Mirage has been remote viewing. And um, what you see is a couple of spirits. And you see this one guy, he looks like he's from you know ancient China or something. And he's like, the night garden receives you still tethered to flesh by mischance or be you courier. And you see this one, um, this one person who's like drawing something down and they're like supplicant. And then you see this other woman with a couple of swords and she's like, is that a thief? And Mirage walks closer to them and uh, she's like, I've come looking for the pale mistress. I was told she has something of mind. Uh, she has something of mine. And the guy is like, ah, supplicant. So noted. And at this point, she's like, are you three? Like, what are you guides? And the one woman with all the swords is like, while you are here and your flesh breathes there, your gate weakens the wall between your home and ours. We defend the wall. You see to yourself. So Mirage is like, okay, but like, do I just go on my way? Like, are there rules I should know about? I love how nonchalant she is. She's kind of like Constantine in the wave where she's just like, I don't give a shit about all your like formalities and stuff. Just give me what I want to know. I also love, I really love the look of like, behind the veil where it's all everything has that sort of blue bluish hue to it it's just there's a lot of really cool things that just describing this can't do justice because of the kind of the, the way the art changes based on the feel of each different scene so like this is this is one of those books that if you if you you know if you're even a little interested by what you hear from our review you really got to see it to really get the full grasp of it yeah, so basically it's like this this veil world is kind of like its own little city. So like you see other spirits going about their business as Mirage is continuing to look for the pale mistress so she could find her husband. Um you see this uh voice come out from behind her and it says, "Dr. Mirage, I have to say I'm surprised. Uh you haven't actually been here before, have you?" And it turns out to be Meredith, uh, one of the wives from the group who was speaking to her wife. And Dr. Mirage is like, uh, wait, Meredith from the widow's group? And she's like, yes, you helped me and my Carla. I, I, I don't think you should go through that door. 
That is, I don't know why you're here, but I don't imagine you want to wait in line forever. And forever is not a word we use casually around here. So Mirage replies, I'll bet. Do you um you know how to get to the long walks? That's where the pale widow is. Um, no, but I know how to how, how to not get lost. We could start in old way. I'm in training for a kind of job there, so I've been learning my way around. And Mirage is like, I do have to ask for payment. Oh, yeah. And Meredith is like, I do have to ask for payment, though. It's a rule. And Mirage is like, payment? What sort of payment? And she's like, well, there's just like three main currencies. Another favor I don't need. A piece of your soul. I don't want. So tell me a story. Maybe about what you're looking for. And she's like, what I'm looking for is, um, it, it starts with a haunted house. Is, is, is that all right? I don't want to be insensitive. I love like things like, the, the the price for our help is tell us a story, which it sounds so cheesy, but in the context of this weird, like behind the veil, a uh, horror sort of thing, it's it's actually like really cool. It, it, I, I really like that. Yeah. So basically what ends up happening now is Dr. Mirage is talking about um, how she basically got into all this occult stuff. Basically, she, she was at this house that was the Institute for like paranormal research and stuff like that. And her and her husband were basically under the tutelage of a guy named Dr. Ware, who teaches these advanced classes. So what they end up doing is they end up uh, going to this other house, which is infested with poltergeist activity. Poltergeist is German for noisy ghost. It's like those ghosts in movies that like throw shit around and mess with people's heads and stuff like that. Poltergeist, real or not real? Real. Yeah, I figured you'd say that. Real phenomenon. So basically, um, you know, they're, they're dealing with possessions. They're dealing with knives and shit getting thrown around. And uh, you see her dealing with um, these poltergeists who are basically like attacking her and everything else. And she's basically trying to send them back. So she's uh, conducting her own, you know, you know, I want to say spell seance while well, she's doing some pretty cool paranormal shit. Um, you know, the, the doctors are also coming around and this one dude is like, it's working. Dr. Ware, a uh, definite activity up in here. And Dr. Ware's, you know, he, he's speaking in this mystic language. He's like, by the thousand sacred names and sigils drawn, I command you. Um, and at this point, uh, you know, she's, she's gone ahead and uh, managed to get rid of the poltergeist and everything. And everyone is like really excited that this worked out. But um, Mirage is just uh, not doing well. And this is when her husband comes in and he's like, Hey, um, the, the, the Baxters shouldn't have to come back to this. Hey, Hey Fong. And um, you could just tell that this is taking a real toll on her and it's not, you know, it's not something that like people can just Did you see deal that with. fucking demon. Like my God. Yeah. Yeah. So like she, she's dealing with a lot of shit at this point. So now we get to basically see um, her getting to know the man who will be her husband, who is also whose name is Mirage. It's a stage name. She even like, you know, she's getting to know him. She asked that she's like, so Mirage is a stage name. And he's like, yeah, figure it'd be sort of a theatrical debunker. I liked performing, but the real stuff isn't always flashy, you know, started to feel like I was adding to the con. So basically this is her falling in love with her husband. who's also a student of this uh, paranormal Institute and everything. And, um, you know, they fall in love and stuff. So that's basically 
And at that point, uh, we go back um, to the other side where uh, Mirage is finishing up the story. She's like, it's all I've ever wanted since Gwen died. When I finally got a clue where he might be, I stuffed my pockets full of power tools. And here I am. And Meredith is like, well, what sort of tools? Anything you can trade? And she's like, well, just a few things. Hell money, some prayer bones, and this. And she pulls out what seems to be like a stone baby head or something. And uh, Meredith is like, oh, that's good. Keep that safe. Old Way suffers from drought. Uh, too few living believers. And um, I, I, don't, I don't know what that basically means. Obviously, that stone baby head has something to do with water, I guess. Um, so now they, they get down um, to the uh, to the other place. And it, it just looks like the exact opposite of where we've been. This actually looks like hell. Like you see like demons and all these other like orc like creatures holding weapons and shit like this. And Meredith is like, ah, it is a complete gesture, a true and final end. And then you see this little like, you know, monster bat creature fucker and he's like Ivros Ivros see the Ivros Ivros and you see this dude who looks like one of the Orakai from Lord of the Rings he walks out like he's just a scary mofo Ivros and he's like drip yeah drip do you bring food or submit yourself and uh drip is like bring Ivros I bring a ring not only bring too big and you know the demons so in 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 old like medieval times and the spread throughout most of medieval Europe, there was this idea that uh, demons never speak straightforward. They speak in rhymes. They speak in limericks. They speak in ways that often confuse people. So the way they're actually writing how demons speak to each other is actually pretty interesting because at least from a literary perspective that that's grounded in something related to this. So um, Ivros picks up Drake. He's like too big. And Ivros is like, and Dritten is, uh, Ivros Dritt. The little bat fucker is like, for Dritt, a hole alive, unbound and loose in the wandering, meaty enough for all. So basically what this little bat fucker did was he just ratted out Mirage as being an actual living person that all these orcai looking dudes who are like demons from hell are going to go ahead and actually try and like, grabber and eater so you know uh ivros the big head mofo is like shut yourself drit the breach calls out even now our treasured thief works his greedy art what passes for what purpose is today ours my love and drit is like but ivros that is it the media alive, and what they basically done is they've split a portal where now we see the physical Doctor Mirage in her transient state back in the real world, and um, you know now it basically seems like because she has gone over through her um, through her ability to go into this other side, as Meredith brought up, the door has weakened to the gate, and now all these other potential things can go ahead and cross over into the real world. So that's what is um what is happening so at this point we go back to mirage and meredith and meredith's like someone must be from the other side scrying work has appeared in the breach before and mirage is like march so at this point they they're basically like listen whoever is coming back and forth in here doing shit it's got to be this dude because all the gates are weakened at this point, um, you see all the we'll just call them the Orcai for now. You see all the Orcai demons going after um, 
Meredith and Mirage because they know that if they can get to her, they can get to the other side into our world. So you see these dudes with their axes and everything. And Meredith is actually um, able to keep up and defend Mirage while Mirage can get out of there. And the one orc creature is like, you dare deter me, mortal spirit. And Meredith is like, I made I I, I, I am a mate. I am made a guardian servant of old way. The way they talk is all weird. Forgive me, folks. End yourself at my hand, demon. And um, at this point, Mirage is still trying to escape. She's trying to get back to the gate. But at this point, this fence pops up. And Mirage is like, a fence? For real? What do spirits need with flipping fences? And um, at this point, uh, the, the the head guy, Ivros, is there. And, at, you know, uh, Mirage is actually, like, freaking out for a bit. She's never been here before. She's attacked. It's a good reason to freak out. And um, what she's trying to do is she's in her pockets trying to find something she can do to go ahead and maybe repel the demons. But uh, at this point, we pause and we go back to March's place. And March and his team of people are basically, uh, you know, trying to view what's occurring. Yeah, they're doing bad guy stuff. They've been kidnapping people, right? And there's this dude named Tom who's in March's place. And Tom is basically, well, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out more about Tom later. So, so, Mar- so March has been uh, tied up as well. We're, we're learning a little bit more about March and the demon. And uh, March is like, why? Why, why have you uh, helped me lie to them? I could feel it because March has now been uh, held captive by the two dudes that were originally helping him, part of his team. And the demon looks at him. He's like, you and I. We do not want the same things, but some things we want are the same. Her safety is one such. She took many things from this place. Some she will part with. And um, now we're back to um, the other world where she's been able to escape. And now she's, um, you know, she, she's woken up and she's far away from the attacking demons and everything else. And Mirage is like, what, what, where, where, what, what just happened? And, um, at this point, um, some kids come over and they're like, "When's yanked you? We know all the slippy ways from the fr- uh, from to the garden. Them big demons don't want; they want you. Uh, they'll have to go the long way." And basically, what ended up happening was she teleported to another part. And uh, of all the things that she's been carrying with them, some of them actually are you know, like pulled to some of the spirits that have a connection to them. So at one point, one of these necklaces that Mirage has, uh, this, this kid comes over and they're like, this is mine. My granny gave it to me a long time ago, but I lost it. And Mirage is like, forget it, kid. I'm grateful for your save, but you're a lousy liar. And um, the, the lady's like, keep it. Didn't like granny anyway. Uh, and, you know, the kids are like, hey, like, you're, you're not dead. Like, why aren't you dead? Like, why, how are you here? And Mirage is like, I came looking for someone. Only now I'm kind of lost. And this other kid is like, we, we might, you know, could help her. But I will say the dialogue is a little bit like all over the place here. We might could help. We know all the ways. And um, at this point, she's just making a deal with these kids. She's going to go ahead and give them the necklace and a few other things if uh, they'll go ahead and help her. But once again, um, you know, they're like, hey, this comes at cost. Come on, we'll get you to good crossing for them bones and a story. And um, at this point, want that you know, story. Marsh is like, <laughs> yeah, crossing. Into the long walks, Gray Marsh, Border House, probably. And Mirage is like, so where are we now? And uh, they're like, this place here, our place, is the squat. And that 
all that is dead side. So now what we basically see is like this carnival from your nightmares in this darker area. And they're like, we'll go down through most all that. Stay close to us. Best you want to give over them bones now. And she's like, I'm lost. Doesn't mean I'm a sap kiddo. You'll get them at the crossing. And then the other kid is like, well, maybe start the story then. And Mirage is like, hmm, okay. What if I tell you about the day I died? And that ends issue two. Indeed, indeed. So I, one, one thing I like immediately is the fact that, um, you know, the, the other side across the veil, whatever we want to call this, it, it's like Dante's Inferno. There are so many layers to this hell and there are so many little like subsocietal groups and everything. It, uh, it offers a differing from what we'll call like the Judeo Christian interpretation from hell that we've seen in Ghost Rider. We've seen in Hellboy. This is much more of what I'd consider like, you know, like a Stephen King Dante's Inferno hell site type of situation. Yeah, and it, it also plays into this. Like, I really like the Valiant universe because it's there's like a good amount of characters, but it's a relatively small feeling universe. And in all these different books, different things connect. So they're they're going over to the dead side now. And the dead side, I believe, is a big part of the Shadow Man book and the Shadow Man's origin. Uh, he the Shadow Man like comes from the dead side or something. I don't remember his exact origin, but it's all related. So I, I do really enjoy when I read these Valiant books and I always see like there's it's, it's almost impossible to read a Valiant book without references to if you know those other books, you get the references. If you don't know the other books, no worries, because it's not going to harm you. It's just more like little little nuggets in there that if you are a fan of the universe itself and you're following multiple books you get the reward of that by getting to understand the the sort of the richness of this universe exactly i mean this this is one of those things where valiant really wants to stand out on its own and some people might be turned off by it but what i can certainly say is that that's a very small number of people and that once people actually start really getting into this uh valiant quickly becomes probably your favorite comic book universe yeah Oh, yeah. As, as far as a universe goes, like there are other companies I like better. Like I, I probably have read and enjoyed more books from Image over the years. But as far as a shared universe, yes, yeah, some of the Image Hero books kind of have a shared universe sometimes, but it's it's iffy. You know, and it's kind of creator by creator with that stuff. Whereas the Valiant Universe, they always do a really good job of of keeping it as its own universe that really does play off each other. The characters do all play off each other throughout the various books without it ever feeling overwhelming. I think that's what that's a, it's a line that they're able to walk really well. We, you never feel like, Oh my God, but I haven't read shadow man. Cause they're going to the dead side. You never, you ne- never occurs to you. But if you've read shadow man, you're like, Oh, they're going to the dead side. So it works. It works. Definitely. So on to issue four, we start back up where issue, I'm sorry, uh, starting issue three, we start back up where issue two ended, where Mirage is telling those spirit kids a story in term, in, in exchange for them taking them over uh, to the other way. So basically it starts with a, a flashback of Mirage and her husband on this boat where this cult has taken um, these innocent people hostage. And what they've done is they've basically brought up this old demonic, you know, monster fish God and uh, it's basically going to not only consume them, but it's going to consume the rest of the world. So Mirage and her husband, the other <laughs> Dr. Mirage, um, they're basically trying to stop this thing. And it's like, hey, this thing gets to like the eastern seaboard. It's got to keep eating. And it's got to go for the rest of the world. It's got to be a bad time. And they're going to need a bigger boat. Ka-chow. So what ends up happening is they have this uh, amulet that they're going to 
uh, used to go ahead and try and open a portal back to get rid of this god. And this thing is like thrashing all over the place. And you've got these cult guys who are like, you'll never be able to stop our god. And it's it, it's a freaky moment. And um, at this point, uh, Dr. Mirage is like, it's drawn to the amulet, right? Like a homing beacon. And her husband is like, yeah, if we can shove it out through the portal they they opened um it should be able to you know take care of the rest of this so mirage is like okay you you want to do it or sure or should i because they've got to jump in and like you know get face to face with this thing so her husband grabs her hand and he's like no together together is always better so they leap into the water with the amulet in hand and what they basically do is they throw it through this portal that's under the water that allowed this thing to come in at this point um you know it seems like everything is over but something happened though because as they're floating around and everything else is happening um we basically see that something's up with their spirit part of them part of their souls was dragged through the portal and it's trying to drag them but they they still have enough life in them that they're able to live so this is the first time that mirage is basically out of her body they're able to live but they actually die i mean she even says like we died here and that and that's kind of like how this all that's how this all comes about. Yeah. Uh, so her husband is basically you know dead at this point. Um, you see her you see her kind of fall back into her body, and she's like, you know, for a moment we knew our work was dangerous, but we hadn't cared about the risk. Uh, we'd always just taken for granted that when we went we go together. So at this point we see that she's back on the boat and some people are, you know, trying to get the water out of her lungs. And that's when she wakes up and realizes it's like, shit, my, my husband's dead. Like this actually happened. So the, uh, now we're back into this, uh, you know, into the other side, into the dead side where the one kid is like, why not just go dying again? They're quick. Uh, there's quite lots of ways. And she's like, well, I thought about I think the it. The dialogue of this kid is intentionally kind of weird. Yeah. They're like the kids from like a Charles Dickens book, or like or like the the Fat Albert kids or something. Like they all have their own like little weird quirks of how they talk. Honky, why are you not trying to just kill yourself? Oh, we're getting that. that one. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna that one right <laughs> so so basically, she's like almost every day for a long time. But I was afraid I could never be sure I'd find them. So basically, she doesn't know that just because she's she dies that she'll be reunited with him. And this is something that we've been dealing with since the beginning of the book. It's like, she could talk to everybody but him. And if we've learned anything about how death kind of works in the Valiant universe, it's like you, just because you die doesn't mean you go to heaven or hell. There are layers to everything. And it makes everything more complicated. So now uh, we're continuing to get through. And um, at this point, uh, you know, somebody's calling for them and you hear somebody say, Hey, Hey lady, those ones following you, what they look like. And she's like, where, what, what do you see? And the one kid's like that big guy there. I think he's the team leader. He had a kind of poltergeist thing tracking for him, I think. And you know, next, you know, the one kid's like, Oh, come on lady, get low and huddle in the crowd. Another kid is like, make his raggedy little squealer sniff every stinking mercy square. Man, this dialogue is is all over the place. Basically, somebody's tracking them and things aren't really good at this point because the kids are freaking out. So now what we basically see is that we're 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 getting closer and we see all these um, you know, other spirits basically uh they they've got this guy captured and it's like he's he he's he's you, you look at it from a distance and you're like is he like, you know, did they like crucify him or something? But no, it's basically this giant 
stick thing that can open up yeah this this giant stick thing can turn into a cage and um (laughs) yeah it's at one point you hear one person said nobody left who will mercy you nature boy and another person's like fuck missionaries and the one kid is like just one mercy you let some out but then you get sealed in and mirage is like yeesh who pays and you know the, the one kid is like all kinds because then one uh, one you let out owes you a favor. Only you can't collect till someone mercies you out. So basically, what we're seeing is somebody who is able to take somebody out of here, but in exchange, he got stuck. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So essentially. I guess like the worst thing you can do if you're in this demon area because you're a demon, so you're supposed to be bad, is to show mercy. So the punishment for showing mercy is to be in this cage, and then because you've shown mercy, all the demons just torture whoever is in this cage and torture them and torture them and torture them. And the only way that that demon or that can get out of the cage is if someone shows them mercy and lets them out. But then because that person showed them mercy, they get to be tortured in the cage. It's quite the quite the game. Yeah, and, and what she knows is that this guy can take her can, to you know continue to get to the pale lady. At this point, um, you know if, if he's if he knows how to get out of here and get to where they need to go, he, she might as well go and save him. So at this point, uh, she gives the kids the bone, the prayer bones, and then she's like, "Here, I hear the bones. Uh, I gave you your story. You got you kids got to get out of here." And they're like, "Why? What are you doing?" And she's like, "Possibly something extremely stupid. That's how gambling works." So then she runs over. She's like, "Hey, you in the cage? Mind if I join you?" And you hear one of the demons. It's like, uh, Gerzer is freed. Another takes the cage. Who shall show mercy? And the one demon in the cage, uh, Gozer, Gezer. I think Gozer's from Ghostbusters. Yeah, Gozer, Gozer um, is definitely yeah, Ghostbusters. Gezer is like, uh, you are not the wisest of creatures, are you? And Dr. Mirage is like, not today. Hoping to make up for it with brass and cunning. You're from Old Way. And he's like, I am of Old Way. Geezer, Prince of Hu- Prince of Briars, a humble forager. And she's like, you're uh, what are you foraging for? My friend seemed to think you do this mercy thing a lot. And he's like, old way has much by way of needs. I trade favors and mercies for the needed. I have now introduced myself. So she's like, Shan Fong, Mirage, Spirit Talker, Santa Barbara. (laughs) I need to get to the long walks. And uh, now I'm being hunted. And he's like, I know those ways, but who pursues you? And she's like, I wish I knew. Maybe Bill and Tom will find a clue at her place. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that was that was a preview for the next page. So so basically, um, we're we're back to um the, the dudes that are holding Linton hostage. And um, you know, they're they're now uh, you know, they've they've gone down on this table. Yeah, he's not looking he's not looking in a good situation at all, this Marge character. So anyway, um the, the one dude's like, uh, but she didn't say anything about where she'd project to, just just that she needed to do research. So now they're trying to understand more about like, you know, what what did March really assign her? What did March give her? What was March keeping from them? His so called friends who were not torturing him. And he's like, what? She was going to help me. And uh, Doug is like, to help you what, March? That's the question. See, first, I thought you were just trying to get out of our little club. Now I'm wondering, you were trying to trying to cut us loose, weren't you? You hired Mirage to figure out how to kill me and Doug and Bill and Tom. God, no, Harriman, I wouldn't, as uh, the one dude is basically like sh- getting his cigarette really close to his eye. And this is the first time I've seen that... Um, that Doug has a freaking robot hand. I just noticed that. That's kind of that's kind of cool. Oh yeah, I didn't notice so, that before. 
He does have a robot hand. Yeah. Always nice to very add do- in there. Very Dr. Noah-ish. I, you know, robot hands are coming back in style. I dig it. They should be. Yeah. So basically, as they're about to, like, I don't know, burn out March's eyes or something, you see the demon step from the shadows, and uh, he's like, um, that is not right. What that one intended is of greater consequence. You were warned. Those you killed to steal this binding were warned. The mirage was drawn here by my will. For my purpose, the door is opening. There shall be a sacrifice. And, um, you know, March is just continuing to freak out. He's like, but I called her agent. I called her agent. I, I, I did want out. It's lying. And Tom is like, it can't lie. And Doug is like, now, um, not when we question it, but this all came out of nowhere. So the one guy comes back over. He's like, servant, explain yourself by the chain. I command. And then the, the demon is freaking out again. He's like, ah, your, de- uh, your demands on me, your chains, your base temporal greeds are eventually dust. The barrier erodes. Kind of reminded me a little bit. I mean, of uh, like how they conjure this demon and I've been holding him, uh, prisoner here bound to this guy of, of kind of how, um, how dream was, uh, was sort of conjured into the the, nor- the the real world, I guess, and held prisoner in the uh, that original Sandman series that we read. Yeah, yeah. So now we're back to the dead side, and what we see is that there, um, you, you got uh, Ivros and his demon army. They're about to go in and take Mirage, so that way they can uh, use her to get back to the real world. So as he opens up the cage, um, he sees Mirage and Gravos there. And he's like, the gate of our deliverance has shown you to me, worm, whatever threat you pose, my plans or my hordes, I shall devour with your last feeble spark. And Mirage is just like, sorry, big guy, but I've got, I've got every spark, but I need every spark I've got left. You have a good time in here. Okay. You have a good time in here. Okay. Thanks. So as her and Grievous, uh, uh, her and Gezer um, run out of the cage. It then ends up sealing around um, Ivros because basically what ends up happening is somebody has to open the cage for the person in the cage to get out. So by Ivros opening the cage after Mirage, Mirage and Gezer are basically able to jump out and now it's captured Ivros. Pretty smart. To whichever, yeah, to which all the demons are like, the cage is sealed by the law of laws. Who shall so? No who mercy. shall show mercy? And, um, you know, Ivros is just like freaking out. He's like, what insult is this? I am Ivros. And then all his army starts like, you know, turning on him. They're like, no mercy. No mercy. That's the rules, man. Yeah. Go in the cage. You don't get mercy. And uh, Mirage is like, you will owe him a favor only after someone mercies Ivros out. Right. Then I'm then then I'm hoping by then uh, I'll be out of reach. So. Uh, now we're back to March's house and you've got Tom. He's like, you ever see her and her husband? They had that second live show. And uh, Doug is like a few times, I guess. So basically what it shows is that they, they had a TV show, probably an A&E TV show. And, um, you know, uh, Tom is like a few times. Guess they knew their stuff. Oh, no, they're at they're not at Mar- they're, they're now. We don't know it yet, but we know it now. I know it because they're um, they're at, they're at uh, Mirage's house where, where yeah, they're the at Mirage's is, house is being remote viewed. Yeah. Yeah. And what's happening is that they're carving like these satanic markings into the fence because what Mirage has around her house is basically like a temporal field that can keep out you know, demonic energy and near do wells and everything else. So basically what they end up doing is uh, they break through it. So uh, at this point, um, Doug is able to get through. And what we see is that this one dude, that's part of their little, you like mercenary clan that was trying to create like armies of 
demon spawn to take over the world. Uh, he's a senator. So as, as Tom walks through the field and everything, uh, he's like, relax, senator. Nobody will get a picture of you kidnapping a witch. And the dude is like, fuck you, Bill. I drop everything to be out here. No clue what for. And uh, Bill is like, um, you know, everything I know. March showed her the works. Then she went half AWOL. And the others are pissing their pants because they can't track her. So now we're back in the dead side and uh, Gezer is uh, taking them through what looks like Detroit. <laughs> and you see all these like, you know, um, anorexic loop, you know, like like droopy ghosts and everything. And uh, as they're walking through Mirage's much like Detroit. yeah, much like Detroit um, Mirage is like, can we stop for a minute? And Gezer is like the exhaustion of this place has a strong scent. It would be difficult for Ivros and his hordes to find you here. If I may impose, you have great powers about you. Why do you not make use of them all? And Mirage is like, well, this amulet, it keeps it. Uh, it just does its thing. Keeps me keeps me from being watched from the other side. Sort of. At least my spirit. And Gezer is like, yeah, uh, your spirit. Yes, you are not holy here. Yet you move as if you are while your garment is as wings and wind. And he's like, uh, my suit, uh, you mean getting around here? And Gezer is like, you are not bound as I am to the paths of this place. You could be wherever you need to be. And she's like, I don't know where anything is or how to do whatever, you know, wings and wind. And Gezer is like, what sort of witch can you be? So ignorant of the ways of the spirit. I like that we get the explanation for her suit. Like it is actually, it's not just a, a random superhero outfit. It's actually something that helps her rem- like not get, I, I guess it helps her stay tethered, I guess, to the real world is the idea. So she can come back. Yeah, it's not it's not just a regular, you know, spandex superhero suit. It's got purpose. So now what we do is we get uh, to the beginning of the lawn walk. And what we see is that this you've got like this. uh, We'll call him like a bear person. So bear person. I I took him as more of a rat rat person, person. wolf person. We'll call him rat person. So rat person is at Actually, you're right. It's more of a wolf. Okay. Wolf person. Bear rat rat wolf person. Bear rat wolf person wearing a red cloak is uh, standing at this intersection as it now seems like they're out of, you know, the spirit world Detroit edition. And now it's like they're in the countryside. So uh, rat spirit wolf person bear thing is like name and destination. And uh, Dr. Mirage is like uh, uh, Sean Sophia Fong Mirage. I'm looking for the pale mistress. And the thing is, like, what will you give me to let you cross? All these, all these, like, spirit things are, like, so transactional. No, no, no kindness. I need a story. I need this. I need that. It's just, you know, it's all business. At these yeah. And uh, she's like, what little I have left is for Granny. Will she mind you taking her tribute? And the thing is like, ah, stay on the sandy path. Do not wander off the sandy path. Do not litter or damage your surroundings as you travel on the sandy path. And um, uh, then he's like, you cannot miss it. So basically she goes from what looks like, you know, a parody of of um, of uh, the, the big bad wolf and everything and uh, Little Red Riding Hood. Now she ends up in like this Viking hellscape where she goes across this like, you know, Temple of Doom Bridge. into like this floating island viking castle thing and you see these what look like vikings and uh, they're standing guard as uh, shan is walking in and suddenly here we encounter 
somebody who's essentially gonna tell her how to find her husband. So she walks in and suddenly this voice is out and it's like, is it the emissary at last? We shall receive such a one. They uh, long ago, the Lyceum promised us an ambassador. Our patience is renowned, but you are very late. And now we realize is that this is the pale lady. And, uh, uh, Sean is like, um, your uh, pale excellency, I am no ambassador. I come of my own accord seeking Lee Wen Mirage. And, you know, her paleness is like ignorance alters not your obligation. Uh, we have seen, we have heard, drowned and dried, the light trapped above delivers you. For we have done great service, and now our domain is threatened. And um, at this point, you know, we, we go back uh, to Dr. Mirage's house and now these dudes are trying to get in. But, you know, they're having a hard time getting uh, past her um, her like mystic protection. So they're using their own spells and everything to break through the doors. And eventually, not only are they able to get in, but we see the senator bill and Tom and the others in the car, they're just dragging her out. So this is this has gotten serious. They're not just going to kill her because they need to know where her actual spirit is because she could still mess with their plans. So at this point, we see um, this one giant dude come out uh, in, in the dead side. And um, he's like, and for that, your hand, thus we demand redress. And Mirage is like, that's actually the same. I think the pale lady just changes forms. Did the pale lady turn into a dude? Yeah, that's some pale shit right there. She's like, I don't know. Because this Mirage is like, I don't know what you're talking about. And you keep changing and uh, my head hurts. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, they're, they're like, we, we need we need something at the bottom of the sea. It lies, you know, it has great power and. We need it. You you should bring it to us. And she's like, wait a second. Wait, you mean when staff? And the pale lady is like abandoned there by you. Oh, yeah, it is her. Because then she turns into a squid or octopus yeah, thing. she turns into all sorts of yeah. things. Yeah. And they're like, just as you did. Th- she's basically Neptune, kind of. Yeah. The god yeah. Neptune. And, and she's like, just as you did this, which you now claim to value, so you do us grave injury, and now you come to rob us of our rarest treasure. And what we see is we see um, Lee, uh, Lee Wen, basically playing on like this ghost piano. It's really freaky. Yeah, it's made of like fish bones. Yeah, and basically he's trapped in his own mind. So she, so. Mirage sees his body there, but even in his mind, he's held captive. So, I mean, this is just layers and layers and layers of hell. And, um, you know, the, the pale lady is like waking it to play is our sole comforting diversion in these long gray hours. And Mirage actually starts tearing up. She's like, please free, uh, wake him, free him. I'll give you anything, anything you ask. And issue three ends there. Okay, so now on to issue four. We basically go. Or do you want to continue it another time? Uh, we we we've got we've got a few issues. I can kind of jump through it. It's just okay. two issues. So basically, what we see is that um, uh, March and his gang were working with these Nazis because they wanted to basically acquire the ability to go into the dead side and to acquire their own demon armies. Basic generic bad guy shit, but it, it looks really fucked up because in this page you basically see that they massacred a whole village. Um, to uh, to deal with it. And, uh, you know, 25 years 
ago, we basically see another flashback of uh, Dr. Mirage. She's in therapy, and this is when she's basically learning about her powers of mediumship. And then, you know, 10 years after that, 10 years from our current story, we basically see her and her husband, uh, you know, coming to terms with everything. And, you know, they're, they're at the point in their life where they're like seasoned paranormal investigators, but they're still really early on in their relationship. And they casually give each other tattoos. Yeah, which is kind of a thing. So basically what's doing is it's kind of tying the last three issues of main points and brought it together in a couple pages of flashbacks. So now what we see is that Ivros has been able to literally pull himself out of the cage and he's back uh, going after Mirage. And then it jumps forward again. There's a lot of jumping around to this issue where basically um, they've uh, they've thrown the demon in March's estate into this pit and they're going to basically you know, use Mirage's body to eventually go ahead and um, try and try and get into the dead side because at this point pull out this demon arm. Yeah. So now we're back um, to the uh, pale mistresses long walks and um, you know, she, she's still trying to basically say like, listen, I've got this amulet. Take it. Just please let me have one. I'm begging you. And uh, the pale mistress is like, yes, you are. And other in offering trifles while our empress washes away uh, as this one thing, basically, um, talks so basically what what she's gonna do now is she's gonna go ahead and take his body but she has to go ahead and return the staff to the pale mistress or else she she won't be able to actually like wake him up so basically it's like a sleeping beauty situation so as they're uh basically walking out to the area what you basically are able to tell is that yeah basically the farther they walk away the more likely they are to actually like um you know, wake him up. So the farther he gets away from the pale mistress, the more this kind of, you know, spell gets over him. He, he thaws out basically. Yeah. So basically now what they have to do is they're going to work together to try and go get that staff. So now they're at this other place called the walls between the plains near the sleeping border, border, the night garden. It, it's, it's, it's not really that important, but while this is going on, uh, March and his team are going to try and basically conduct another ritual. So what ends up happening is that um, uh, they they get to this place and they see this like, you know, demon that kind of looks like the one that was in March's captivity. And the male Dr. Mirage is like, next of things on my list after we settle up with the pale mistress. Oh, look. Hello. When Mirage here to uh, here to come get my staff. If that's all right. I think they're just going panel to panel. This is the original demon yeah. guy. They're just going back and forth between mirage between these guys around mirage's body uh in the real world and then mirage with her husband waking up in this in the veil yeah but it's all the same demon it is confusing because it goes back and forth panel to panel to panel yeah and and basically what's about to happen is that um as march does this uh what's going to happen is that they realize that somebody's gonna have to stay behind as march and his team craft this like you know portal to get to the other side and basically what's going to happen is this march uses mirage to get through somebody's soul is going to get trapped so now they're actually wondering whether or not which of them is going to stay and because you know when mirage is actually dead he's basically insinuating that listen uh we can go ahead and stop all this but we're going to have to actually say goodbye forever you're not going to be able to get me through to the other side so issue four is kind of short because there's just a lot of jumping around a lot of flat 
flashbacks. What we're basically at the point now is, is that Mirage isn't going to be able to get Lee back, even if she tries. I mean, he's dead, right? He's got no body to go back to anyway, right? Unless, I think, I think the only way they could be together at this point would be if, if she dies and then they, she can come find him again somewhere in this band. Yeah. So what they've basically done is that um, the staff, it, it's going to be able to basically get them through everything. But Lee knows that, you know, since he's not going to be able to make out of it, he basically breaks the staff in half and he gives it to her. So that way uh, she can get through everything. So they have one final kiss. And then suddenly what they realize is that Ivros is back. Ivros has been able to find and locate them. But uh, with that staff that belongs to Lee, she's able to get out. So what ends up happening is that the uh, um, the, the the staff is able to let her out as she has defeated Ivros's army, and as uh, March and his demon team are starting to finish up this uh, satanic ritual, she comes back from the dead side and she actually starts waking up. So now she's woken up, but in her hands she has the staff. Did we just dive into issue yeah. five? I think we did. Yeah. We did. Okay. Yeah, it's all good. So basically, she's awake. She has the staff in hand that she brought over from the dead side. And now she's just like beating the shit out of these guys. But somebody is able to actually go ahead and get behind her and whack her in the head. And uh, as this is still happening, what we see is that Lee is on the other side fighting the demon. So basically, right now, what we're seeing is a battle in the real world, as well as a battle in the dead side, where she's fighting uh, March's team of you know, evil mercenary dudes. And Lee is on the other side fighting these demons. So what ends up happening is that, uh, in order to really, um, uh, stop them, what she has to do is she has to go ahead and free the demon that's been captured the whole time. The same one who was on the other side of the dead side, helping them get to the, uh, uh, staff. So at this point, um, what she does is that she goes ahead and uses basically this spell where basically she's able to go ahead and release other spirits nearby in which she's able to combine the spirit of the demon who's trapped in the dead sign with his physical body. And at this point, um, you know, he's basically freed of the restraints of the team. While this is happening, uh, Lee is on the other side, still continuing to go ahead and, um, you know, fight the demons. What we see is that um, as they've closed the door, what they basically realize is that, um, you know, once the door is closed, other souls are going to be dragged. So what it does is basically it, um, it closes the door and it finally you know, ends the madness of these guys. And because the one demon is back, he basically drags the others to hell. And, um, with that, uh, March is still alive and he's, um, you know, he's basically like, well, listen, like I didn't intend for all this to happen. I wanted one thing. And, you know, one minute later, everyone wants a demon army. Sorry. <laughs> Next thing you know, your friends want, want a demon army. and want to use you to get yeah. it. Uh, long story short, she's back to her apart to her house in uh, San Bernardino. It's been freaking burned down because those guys are assholes. And um, at this point, you know, she's just trying to move on of her life. But what ends up happening was that that dude, that one demon that helped her, the one that was captive, he's basically kind of stuck here. So now they're basically like, I like how he's wearing. I like how when when he shows up at her house to like say like, hey, I'm still here. 
He's wearing a black wife beater. It's just so yeah. Funny Basically, uh, because because of how the portals were shut, he's not able to get out. But he he's not able to go back to the dead side. But what he does have is this ability to still communicate with the dead in ways that she can't. So basically, what she ends up doing is uh, what he ends up doing is he basically allows. Uh, his powers to let her. <laughs> I just love the like they're sitting outside, and the, I don't know why I think this is so funny, but the demon guy is just he's in his his plaid pants <laughs> and his normal human shoes, just sitting there with his legs crossed, like drinking a water, just like <laughs> like nothing, acting like a demon at all. But it's, it's really yeah, funny. I mean he's not even speaking the same way. But basically, what he can do now is he's going to allow his powers to connect. Um, to the dead side. So what he does as a gift to her is that uh, he goes ahead and brings out the soul of Lee and allows her to actually spend some quality time with her dead husband. And uh, it's, it's one of those scenes where it's like words can't do it justice. It's a beautiful end to a beautiful story. She's finally able to reconnect with Lee as he bestows upon her the fact that she is really the true Dr. Mirage between the two of them. And that's what wraps up the story. I feel like I rushed the last two issues. I mean, there's a lot going on, but it's in one of those ways where it's like the art carries so much of the dialogue and everything. The only way to really appreciate it is to go back and check it out yourselves. Yeah. And I like that by the end of this, we've 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 got what seems almost in a Hellboy esque fashion. Like there's Dr. Mraz, but she kind of has a little bit of a team forming. She's got uh, Mr. Black White Beater <laughs> Demon Guy. Um, she has this Leo character who's kind of like, you know, her her liaison or whatever, her intelligence guy, her um what's the guy? What's the guy in 007? Q? Come on. M? Yeah, yeah. Q. I, I thought Q at first. Is it Q? I thought Q, then I was like, no, that's Q and on. Q is gadget guy. M is the guy okay, who gives right. emissions. Right, right, right. Got it. Yeah. Anyway, and then we have like Spirit Lee, like other do- original Doctor Mirage, sort of in, in the in the spirit of this uh, this current iteration, as like her now now thanks to this demon guy, he can kind of appear and maybe he'll be able to help her out with with spirit stuff too. So it's kind of like she has this mini sort of uh, supernatural team forming. So it's a it's a very complete story that you could just you know be done with it here. But they've also laid the groundwork for you know so much more to come. Couldn't have said it better myself. So let's go ahead and just jump into the ratings, Mark. All right. The ratings, the ratings, the ratings. So this was one where I, I, like I said in the beginning of the show, I didn't really know what to expect coming in. I didn't know if this was one of those, you know, Remzo tosses me something weird or Remzo tosses me something legit. Um, but yeah, <laughs> this was definitely legit. And I, it's tough because the this was very good. I really did enjoy it. And I really love the intricacies of the writing, the intricacies of the characters, the um, sort of the, the different types of dialogue, which sometimes felt weird, but it, it gave every character their own very unique voice. And I just, am a sucker for anything that ties in the supernatural. Um, you know, we can debate about what's real, what's not, but the supernatural type stuff that is talked about in the real world along with historical stuff like not i'm a sucker for nazis you give me some nazis i'm we're playing ball so i i really enjoy much like hellboy how they tie in a lot of the supernatural stuff and historical stuff all into and then combine that with a fictional story to make it a little more interesting uh and it really worked on on all cylinders for me so um you know it oh man it's tough i'm gonna give the writing a 4.5 i think it was actually very very good and then this art man this art it's not, it's very different than Mike Mignola's art, but I, I call it similar to Hellboy just in, in terms of the vibe, the tone, the feel. But what I really love about it is ha- is the different 
not styles because it's always in the same style. A lot of this credit should go to the coloring actually as well. So I'm not even sure who the colorist is here, but a lot of the art is is enhanced so much by the different shades, the different type of colors uh, that fit sort of each scene, like whether she's talking to the pale lady and everything's kind of blue and greenish or whether they're running away from Evros uh, and everything's kind of red. Uh, th- that that just really stood out to me. So I, the art was very, very unique to me. So I, I think the art, we got to give credit to more than just the, the penciler here. I think the, uh, as always, I mean, look, inkers and colorists, they always, they, they get the short end of the stick all the time, including right now, because I'm not even naming them. Maybe by, by, by the end of this, I'll, I'll find their names. But overall, I, I got to give the art up 4.5 as well. So I'm going to give this a total of a nine. I'm not too far behind you. I think uh, with the rioting, the story itself is fantastic. Uh, the last couple is well, issue four with all the flashbacks and everything, it, it does get a little bit hard. And I think the writing relies a lot on the art and the art is hoping that the writing will be able to carry it. So issue four is probably the weaker point. But uh, I love the story. Uh, you know, the dialogue for each character is uh, sometimes a bit tricky to read, but Otherwise, you know, go back and read a few panels and you'll get it. I'm going to go ahead and give this story a 4.5. I, I would give it a 4, but because it felt so original compared to a lot of the supernatural type stories you've gone through, I can't quite give it a 5, but a 4.5 is pretty damn close to that. And then because the artwork switches uh, around issue 3, I think I liked it how it was first in the first two issues. Because of the switch, I actually do think it downgrades a little bit, but by issue 5, as we get uh, towards the end of this arc, it it does kind of grow on you and uh, it, it, it becomes a little bit more consistent. It ties everything together in a nice uh, flair, so to speak. So I'm giving the artwork a 4.5. So I'm giving this book a nine out of 10. So, so we're, you're not far off from me at all. You're exactly where I am. So yeah. <laughs> that is a, a total SPC score of 18 for the death defying and expectation exceeding Dr. Mirage. Folks, this is really one of those books where it's like, you know, late at night when there's nothing else on and it feels like a, a Halloween-esque afternoon. A Thursday you, night read. Maybe. A Thursday a night, night read. read. It's it's a it's a nice sit by the fireplace and read it type of book. There you go. A nice cup of hot cocoa, maybe some whiskey, you know? Yeah. This the the works. Well, that's all I got, Mark. Since I said, look, the 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 colorers and inkers always get the short end of the stick, I will, at least at this on this forum, give credit to colorist David Barron, letterer David Lamphere. And there's no inker listed, so maybe maybe Robert De La Torre does his own inks because he just he just says artist, doesn't say huh. penciler, so he must do his own. It's a lot of work. But David Barron, I, I do want to say, I ne- I never we never talk about colorists, but I, to me the color was such an integral part of the art that it would be a crime. Not to give credit where credit is due. So, David Barron, wherever you are, bravo. bravo good colors sir. are fantastic. Indeed. Well, that's all we got, Remzo. Uh, the month is almost over. You're going to, if you have not done so yet, there's no better time to be hopping on the Second Print Patreon just until the end of this month. Just a couple more days now you have to take advantage of two free months if you join our Patreon at an annual level. At any pledge level, you get two free months up to $150 in value, Remzo. Hard to beat that one. Plus, Free graphic novels will be coming your way. Plus, if we get a couple of you guys, there's still a chance to get that Remzo dirty, dirty bachelor party details. I went ahead and did a full episode on my other show, On the Run, detailing my Vegas vacation, folks. Let me tell you, I only gave you the surface level. So check out On the Run if you want the full. It was a really fun episode. Uh, look up On the Run. Uh, check out Remzo's bachelor party story. But if you want the dirty details, we're going to need a couple of you. Got a few days left to become annual patrons. You know you want it. Those dirty details. 
Well, folks, until next time, there's only one thing to do between now and next week, other than join the Patreon. As always, read comics and change the world. Good night, America. Adios. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save